Hey, I can make that claim. This is it. I could stop right now and it would be. Uh, but before we really get into that, uh, and I've worked this in my notes, so don't worry. Uh, we also start a fast, uh, a fast this evening. Um, and I, I want to uh, take a few moments because I know we've got a lot of new people. We've got people that this is all new to them. Why do we fast? Uh, let me give you some facts about fasting. One, fasting isn't some ritual that you do to try to get God to answer your prayers. It's not what fasting is. Fasting is not about depriving ourselves of anything. Uh, fasting is about what we gain from the process, our focus on God. Fasting is the discipline of abstaining from something good, whether it be food, social media, entertainment, certain types of food, drinks, so that we can focus our spiritual lives on God. Now, fasting is about a desire for God or wanting to deepen that desire. You say, Kelly, I just I want to want him more. This is a great start. Great start. There, there are many places in the Bibles where we see heroes of our faith fasting. Moses in Deuteronomy 9, Daniel in Daniel 9, David in 2 Samuel and Psalms 35, Jesus himself in Matthew 4, and Paul in Acts 9. And we could go on. People fasted for many different reasons for different purposes. Uh, but in Matthew, Jesus was teaching on prayer and fasting. And I want to, real quick, I promise you, I want to look at what he says about prayer and fasting. Matthew 6, 16. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Some of y'all been on a year-long fast. Um, but when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Anybody notice something that stood out when Jesus was talking about fasting? Look at the verse, the start of verses 16 and 17. Pull that up for me. And when you fast, but when you fast. Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, he's assuming that his followers, Christians, are going to fast. And when you fast, and he says the same thing about pray, when you pray. See, here's the thing. Fasting isn't something in the Bible that we are commanded to do. But Jesus seems to assume that if you are one of his followers, you're going to do it. Why? Because you're following Jesus. And Jesus fasted. And we begin our corporate fast tomorrow or this evening. Um, start out every year with it with a fast or resend and refocus. And there are different types of fasts. Uh, there are a liquid only fast. Uh, Denise and I were a part of a church uh, uh, for a few years up in Kentucky where every year they did a 40 days liquid only fast. I sucked at that fast, I'll just tell you. I got real good at pretending I was doing it. Why? Because, but to them, they were very proud about it. Oh, what did you? Oh, oh, you added juice to your fast? Not me. I'm only water. Coffee? You drank coffee? And it became very legalistic. 
and, and ritualistic, legalist. And, and so that's what they would do. There's also the Daniel fast uh, based on the food that Daniel, man, when they were presenting themselves, they were in captivity and, and they were warning Daniel and the other Hebrew children to eat some things that they weren't comfortable with. And he said, hey, let us only eat this food. So you've got that. Uh, uh, there, there have been those that have fasted sweets only or sugar only. Those that, uh, with medical issues that are prevented from fasting food. But I would encourage you, fast in some way. I, 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 Denise and I know someone that they, every day, it was nothing for them to drink a 12-pack of Diet Coke. And they decided, you know what, I'm going to fast this time not drinking any Diet Cokes. They, they ended up losing 68 pounds, and, and die, no, they didn't, so. <laughs> but though, I'm, I'm telling you, what is the one thing that controls you? You know what? Some of you, it would do you better than fasting any food, social media. Because you can't even go to the bathroom and sit on the toilet without taking your phone and scrolling through and seeing what's going on. Oh, that hurt. That stung, didn't it? Mm. So there, there, there's social media, entertainment. There are those that, that passing those things. Uh, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Ask God, God, what do you want me to fast? Now, I'll tell you this. What, me and the staff got together, uh, and, and we're doing the fast different. We're going to do a seven-day fast, and then the first three days of every month we're going to fast. And the, the first three days of month, uh, the month are going to be different than what we're going to do these seven days. Uh, I, I'm actually the first three. When we start that, we will be liquids only for three days. Uh, but this, we got together. We, we want to try. We believe God is calling the church, followers of Jesus, to a healthier lifestyle period. And so what the staff is going to do, and if you want to follow us, we're going to do what is called a Whole30 meal plan. And uh, we'll post a link to that where you can check that out, what, what you are allowed to eat and what you're not allowed to eat. If you want to follow that, uh, Casey and myself, and I've asked him about this. He didn't respond too strongly about it, so I'm going to throw him out there right now. But Casey and myself are actually going to add intermittent fasting with that. And that's where you there's an eight-hour period. Yeah, we are. There's an eight. We talked about this. There's an eight-hour period. You know, for some, it might be from 12 to 8, but we're only still only eating that whole 30. Are you, you understand? So, but whatever you want, it's important, guys. Here, here's the thing about fasting. Fasting isn't simply giving up eating or something else. Uh, if you're just giving up eating, that's called dieting. And in fact, I love the way Lisa Bevere said She said this, a diet changes the way you look. A fast changes the way you see. Changes the way you see. And that's why we start out with a fast. God, help me refocus and begin to see the way you, things the way you see them. You give up those things for a certain amount of time. And in addition, though, you don't just give them up. You take that time that you would normally have done that, and you pray. You read your word. You seek God during that time. Now, there are those that say, well, Kelly, what's this corporate fast? Uh, no, there's no need to announce it. Why the corporate fast? I agree with when it's a, 
a fast that God has personally called you to. But there are several times throughout the Bible where the pe that, that people are called to a corporate fast. I, for the sake of time, I've got 10 of them here. But if you want to get with me later, I can give you, give you those. But we as a church, a community of believers, we will start our corporate fast this evening. And we will end it next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock with a night of worship and celebration that I encourage you, do not miss. Um, and we're, getting, we're going into the message now. Thank, somebody's like, well, thank the Lord. Uh, I listened to uh, me and Denise were uh, headed to Cleveland or somewhere, and I put on this message, and a, and a, a message by Perry Noble come up. And, and I began to listen to it, and he made a statement about growing church, about church growth, and why. He said, my, he said I don't want just a growing church. And, that, man, it's just really hit me because he said, you want to know how to grow a church? Grow healthy people. Grow healthy people. That's what 2023 is going to be about for Watts Park Community Church. You know, at the end of this year, uh, me and group that met every Monday night, we will be starting that back up in February. And, and, and I want to encourage you. I, I'm encouraging my wife and some of the other ladies to start up a discipleship group because that's where growth happens. I'm telling you, there are conversations had in their small group that, that you will never hear about it, know about it, none of your business. But I'm going to tell you, it strengthened men in that group. So I'm going to tell you, be part of that when we begin to offer it up. Um, all right, I've got some good news and bad news. What do y'all want first? No, I, I'm going to start. No, I'm going to start with the good news. I'm sorry. I'm going to start with the good news. I don't even know why I ask you. Here's the good news. I believe that today, January 1st, 2023, will be a life-altering day for a whole lot of people in here. I believe there will be parts of your life that will never, ever be the same again. Uh, that for many of you, you will begin to be more aware of Holy Spirit and God moving in your life. Today, you'll make a decision to fully surrender and begin to follow Christ, uh, you, you, that you're going to pursue all that God has for you. And when you leave here today, you're going to leave here with a different mindset. And because of that, when you wind up 2023, you're going to look back and be able to see the changes God made in you, the healing he did in relationships, and how much further and how much better you are off because of it. That's the good news. The bad news is there's still many of you that will find all kinds of excuses why you don't want to surrender fully to Christ. And you'll, you'll find all kinds of excuses of why you won't surrender to the teaching that Jesus lays out for us. And you'll continue to make excuses of why you are the way you are, why you act the way you do, why you can't break free, why you continue to live the way you do. You will continue to have excuses for it all. And at the end of 2023, you will look back and see this. Nothing changed about your life. In fact, your relationships are worse for it. Your, the lifestyle that you dug in is worse. Here's the thing. I do not want that for you. At all. My prayer is we start off a brand new year with this. No more excuses. In fact, I'm going to do that preacher thing, that Pentecostal preacher. Get your neighbor and emphatically say, no more excuses. Now I want you to look at your second choice and tell them the same thing. Oh, that was, now, 
That was weak. But let's go. No more excuses. Do you believe me? Um, here's why I want everyone to have a bulletin. I'm going to ask you three questions. And uh, don't, don't start filling in those questions yet. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to keep that bulletin pen ready. And then uh, that blank sheet, I'll tell you at the end what we're going to do with it. Question number one, what is the one thing about your life that you want to be different this coming year? That you, not your mama, not your wife, not your husband. What is the one thing about your life that you want to be different in 2023? Now, if you're like me, uh, you could give me many things. I want to lose weight. I want to get healthy, slow down, be more attentive, attentive with my spouse or my kids. I want to be less selfish. I want to quit being rude. Come on. I want to apply myself in school. I want to spend more time with my family, make some new friends, join discipleship, get more involved in church. Write it down, whatever it is. Write it down. And if you're sitting beside one, somebody that doesn't write anything down, I want you to sit beside them and say, hey, nice to meet you, Jesus, because he was the only one that didn't have anything they needed to change about their life. All right. Some of y'all got, oh, oh, snap. Let me, let me ask myself. Oh, I've done got mine written down. Uh, now, when you've written those down, and made a note. Here, here's the problem with that. As soon as you decide to be different, Satan will begin to give you excuses to stay the same. As soon as you, when you wrote it down, this is what I want to be different. Oh man, Satan will start giving you excuses of why, why you, it can't be, can't be different. How, how many of you know that's true? Come on, how many, how many know it's true? Jesus talks about excuses in Luke 14. Look at this. Luke 14, starting with 16, verse 16. A certain man was preparing a great banquet. He invited many guests. He sent out the Evites to save the days and all that. Uh, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. And you can read the rest of the story, but basically they begin to give these. Some of the excuses were kind of bizarre when you think about it. Like today, if you bought a, a, a plot of land or a vehicle without going to look at it, you can say, well, I looked at it online. Not then. And it says, hey, I bought a field. I need to go see it. Well, that was just you, you went to check out what you were going to go buy. Another guy said, hey, I just bought some oxen. I need to go try them out. The third excuse is the only viable excuse that I see here. Hey, I just got married and I can't go. I, 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 I get that. Immediately they begin to give excuses after excuse, just like many of us do. I, I'd like for this to be different this year, but I tried last year and nothing changed. Come on. See, here's some statistics. By the end of January, over 40% of New Year's resolutions are out the door. They're gone. By February 15th, over 75% of those are, are, are gone. They're out the door. Why is that? Even in the church, even in church going, folks, why is it that we just give up or quit or stop trying? Here's why. 
when we have really good ideas or really good intentions, guess who it's based on getting it done? Me. My own strength, my own resolve, my own willpower. And so after a while, we realize, I can't do this. Why even bother trying? And here's the reason I think we fail a lot uh, at these. We have good intentions, but not God intentions. We've got good intentions, but not God intentions. See, good intentions center around us, what I can do, my power, what, what I want. But God intentions, they are God-centered. This is what God wants to be different about my life this year. This is what God wants to change in me. And instead of it being based upon our abilities to change, it shifts it now to God able to change us. This year, instead of asking, what do you want to be different Less about your life, let's ask this. What does God want to be different about your life? I want you to stop. I want you to think about that. Okay, God, what do you want to be different about my life? Don't just write something. I want you to pray about it. what does God want to be different about my life? I want, I want you to think about it. What is God, the creator of the universe, the one that loves you, the one that created you for a specific purpose? What does he want to be different about your life? Again, hey, don't start writing yet. Don't get ahead of me. Because get this, what God wants for you, it may very well be the same thing you want for your life. Are you hearing me? But when you connect the idea to God instead of you, a shift happens. What is God? Maybe for some of you, God wants you to get, get involved in an area of ministry here at the church and start serving. Maybe God wants you to give something to a family or to a friend. Maybe God says it's time for you to be more generous. Maybe God says it's time for you to start trusting with your finances. Come on. Maybe God is wanting you to be part of a discipleship group or maybe invest in spiritually in your children or in your marriage. Or quit putting certain things before him. What is it? Those are just ideas, but I want to, and this, listen, I know this makes you uncomfortable. When anytime there's silence, it makes people uncomfortable. But we're going to have a moment of silence for you to say, God, what do you want to be different about my life? And then write it down. Here we go. And I'm seriously asking. Even online, write it down. Give me about thirty more seconds. Amanda's already done. Pin down. Still see a couple people writing, so I'm going to give you a second. I feel like I'm teaching at school. Or Wednesday night. Because hmm. Wednesday night, if you're not there, man, you miss out. We actually converse back and forth, and a lot of growing takes place. All right, let's move on to the third question. Now that you've identified the what, this is what God wants to be different. Here's a very important question. Why does God want this to be different about your life? Why does God want it to be different? 
Here, here's why that's important. Because when you spiritually connect the what to the why, I'm telling you, it changes things. Let me give you some examples. You say, well, well, Kelly, I believe God wants me to be healthier, to start eating right, lose some weight, start exercising, even if it's just walking around my house. Well, that's the what, but why does God want that? Well, because I'm fat. And I'm tired of wearing baggy, stretchy clothes to cover up all this. I'm tired of having bigger boobs than my wife. I'm what I'm tired. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I have to get up. <laughs> you like it, Chris? That's why you want to. But why does God want you to eat better, to get healthy? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the house of God. And God wants you to be able to do the things he has called you to without getting winded. God, I'm telling you, God is wanting, to, wanting you to be able to, to give glory to him through your body. I'm not talking about looking like some model. Come on. No, but God wants us to be healthier and eat better and eat right. That's the why behind the why. You may be like, well, I really believe that God wants me to read through the Bible this year. That's great. Why? I really believe God wants me to pray more or at least start praying with my wife and my kids. God wants me to join a D group. I believe God wants me to be more faithful in tithing and giving. Well, that's the why. But why, the why, but why does God want those things to be different about you? Well, PK, I think God wants that for all of us. Absolutely, but it's important that you know the why of that. God wants you to start praying to, to, with your spouse and kids. God wants you to, 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 to start a disciple, be in a discipleship group. He wants you to read through your Bible. He wants you to be more faithful in, tithe, in your tithing and giving. Why? So that your life brings him glory and that you in the process are getting closer to being like Christ. That's why he wants it. PK, I really believe that this year God wants me to get out of debt, get my spending habits under control so I can be more generous. Well, well why, why do you think God wants that? Because debt is bad, and I'd really like to afford to buy a boat before season gets here in the spring. Here's the thing. Debt is bad, and there's nothing wrong with owning a boat. In fact, some of y'all own really nice ski boats that I am offended that Denise and I have not been invited out on. Thank you. The spiritual why is this, so you can begin to honor God with the resources that he's given you. And in the process, see, it's hard to be generous when you've blown, blown everything, the resources on, on stuff you really didn't need. But when we begin to say, God, I'm going to honor you, I'm going to steward what you've given me properly. That honors God, guys. Are you hearing me? You connect the spiritual why with the what. And when you do that, guess what? There is no excuse why it can't happen. There's none. The excuses start to fade away because your motivation is not based on you, but on the one that wants this for you and the why behind why he wants it. See, when you know God wants to be what God wants to be different about your life, and when you agree that, yes, it needs to be different, it should be different, there is no excuse that, that can, should be able to stand to keep, you from, keep it from happening. 
Kelly, is that scripture? Absolutely. Paul said this in Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for my what, and I know the why behind who can stand in the way of this? And if you'll notice in Paul's writing, there's a running theme. I mean, look at Romans 8, 10 through 11. Paul says, Christ lives. Where does Christ live? Where? Within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Get this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, where does he live? Let's say, in me. He lives in me. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. It lives within you. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to immeasurably do more than all we ask, imagine according to his power that is at work where? Within us, when we understand the what and we connect it to God's why, there is no excuse why we cannot begin to walk out what God wants for us. Amen. I'll clap for that either. I'm telling you. When we make our me-centered good intentions and we turn them into God-centered intentions, according to Paul, there is no excuse that can keep us from living in God's will. We quit making excuses. We start praying the prayer that Jesus prayed. God, Father, not my will. Not what I want. Not my me-centered will. What you want. I want to close um, talking about one of the heroes of our faith. And look at some excuses that he gave God and God's response back to him. If you don't turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus 4, God has called Moses to deliver the Israelites out of slavery to the Egyptians. Uh, these were very cruel people, and, and the Israelites had been crying out for God to save them and for deliverance. So God chooses a man, Moses. And get this, God asked Moses to step outside of his comfort zone. God asked Moses to do something that he's not really comfortable with. I hate to break some news to you, but if you really want to know, if you want to really lean in, and I believe God's calling me to this, well, can't, but there's no way I can do it, you're probably on the right track. Because if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need God. And so uh, he, he's, here's how basically how the conversation goes with God and Moses. God says, Moses, you're my guy. Moses says, no, I'm not. God says, yes, you are. Moses says, no, I'm not. God says, yes, you are. And you can get the point. Well, then Moses says, I need to tell God why I'm not the guy. I need to remind him of all my weaknesses. I'm going to lay out a list of some excuses. In Exodus 4, verses 10 and 11, Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Where was Moses' focus? On himself. On himself. I'm not. I've never been. I'm not now. I get tongue-tied. Listen, I hear you speaking, God, but let me remind you of my weaknesses. Come on, Moses was doing what a lot of us do. 
God, I hear you speaking. You want this to be different about my life. But let me remind you of why that's not possible. Let me remind you why I can't do this. The thing about God, he'll let you have your pity party for a brief moment. But then God will start speaking back to you. And look what he says to Moses in verse 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, hey, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? I think it's like God was saying, Moses, you don't think I know you're not that great of a speaker? You, don't, you, you think I don't know that you, you're not very well with your words? You think you need to remind me of your weaknesses? You think I don't know your strengths and your weaknesses? Do you think if it's me telling you to do this, do you really think I'm not going to be there with you? Are, you? are you with me, guys? Well, let me ask you, church, what you wrote down that you believe God wants to be different about your life in 2023. Don't you think that the God of the universe can be, will be right there beside you to help you get it right? I love Abraham and Sarah's story in Genesis 18. God appears to Abraham and says, hey, this time next year, y'all are going to have a son. Sarah overhears the conversation and starts laughing. Why? Because she says, I'm old, and he's older. I mean, look, look, look at the conversation, Genesis 18, 12 through 14. So Sarah laughed silently, get that, silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my husband is so stinking old? Man, I almost went there. Oh, thank you, Lord. I almost said this was pre-Viagra, but let's move on. Let's move on. I'm not going to say that, though. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I almost said it. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Get this. It says that Sarah silently laughed. She didn't laugh out loud. She laughed to herself. But God heard her. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? And here's the thing. I think that's realistic for Sarah. Let's be honest. She's realistically thinking. In the span of things, God, I'm not able and neither is he. I, I, I mean, I'm going to be realistic, God. This is why I can't. Yet God asked Abraham, why, why did Sarah laugh? And then God says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Why did Sarah laugh? You would think, after what I've walked you guys through, you would understand this. Is there anything too hard for me? I believe, and I know that there are those here who are watching online. You know the one thing that God wants to be different in you in 2023. You know it. But just like Moses, Abraham, and Sarah, you've given him your resume or of excuses as to why it can't be, why it'll never happen. 
You know your strengths. You know your weaknesses. And you're well aware of what you can and can't do. But listen to me. Right now in this moment, you need to hear God say to you, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Well, I've tried it and I've tried it. No, no, no. That's because it's always been about you. But let's connect the what with why I want this for you and what I want for you. And let me ask you, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let me ask you guys, do you really think that God, if he asks you to do something, and he confirms it in your spirit, that he's not going to give you the ability to get it done? Well, you don't understand, PK. I know God wants me to be more patient with my kids, but have you met my kids? I know God wants my attitude to change and how I respond to people, but I believe God wants us to have a godly marriage, but he's or she's. I would ask you, do you think anything is too hard for the Lord? No more excuses. If I can get Bob to come on up, let's get back to Moses and finish this out. Moses lays out his list of excuses as to why he can't be used. And God says, Moses, you, you don't think I know, already know all this about you. And Bob, and Bob, God basically tells. God basically tells Moses, quit your whining. I'm, I, I've had enough of your excuses. Because look how he responds in verse 12. Now go. Go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Go. I know how I made you. I don't need you to list me a list of your credentials. I know what you're like. I know the, the, the things about you that other people don't. And yet I'm telling you, go. Go. Two quick thoughts about this story here. God says to go, and God says, this is what I want for you, what I want to be different. Here's what you need to do. Do what you can do. Do what you can do. God says, I've told you to go. Now go. No more excuses. Quit thinking about it. Or as Christians, quit praying about it. But God, there's some of you, you know what God wants you to do. So go do it. Quit putting it off. If you know that this is what God has shown you, that he wants to be different, go do what you can do. Don't over-spiritualize it. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, you're not. You're making excuses while he's waiting on you. Well, you know why? If I'm being honest, PK, I believe God. What, one of the things that God wants for my life is for me to quit smoking and I'm just kind of waiting and praying for him to take this desire away from me. Good luck with that. I mean, it's happened to some people. But more than likely, you're just going to have to get up and go. And do what you can do. Well, what, what, what is that? Well, for some of you, if, that, if that's you, here's what you can do. When we give the altar call and I pull that trash can out here, you can bring that up here and say, Okay, God, I'm going to do what I what you can do and drop it in there. Now, if you've got weed, we'll put that separately because we don't want to burn the weed in here. 
So, so that's my bone. What God wants me to be healthier, lose some weight, eat better. What can you do right now? What can you do? Well, one, you can go home and all those desserts that collected over Christmas and over the New Year, you can throw those out. Are you hearing me? Well, that was stung more than if I had talked about sex or money. Somebody was like, don't mess with my Swiss roll. What you can do, you can commit to, hey, I'm going to do that whole 30 thing with you and the staff, PK. I, I need to change some things about me. I believe God wants me. So I'm going to start that with you guys. Do what you can do. Well, I believe God wants me to quit having sex with my boyfriend and girlfriend while we're not married. Well, so what do you do? Well, you're going to have to have a, go have a hard conversation with that person tell them that if you're going to be obedient to God and what he's telling you to do, this can't be happening. And and here's the thing, then you're going to quit putting yourself in bad positions where you know you cannot resist the temptation. That's good. I'll just just leave it there. God wants me to sign up for a discipleship group and and, and make myself accountable to some guys or some women then you sign up today, you fill out that connect card, and you say, I want to be part of this, contact me. So you do what you can do, and then what? Trust God to do what you cannot do. Trust God to do what you cannot do. God told, get this, God told Moses, go, I will help you and teach you. It's almost as if God was implying, until you go, I can't help. But if you will go, you're going to find me helping you and teaching you. But until you take that step and decide to go, you've tied my hands. You've got to make a decision. But when you take that step and go, God says, I will help you. I will teach you. You do what I told you, and then I'll take care of the things you cannot do. Anybody ever teach their kid to ride a bicycle? No? Y'all are terrible parents. No. <laughs> I've, I've got four children. I've had the honor, uh, I'll use that word loosely, to show three of those kids how to ride bikes. Guess what my goal was as the father to those kids? To teach them how to ride a bike. Do you know what they wanted? to learn how to ride a bike. So when the father's will aligned with the child's will, what what excuses do we have for not learning? And, And so when I taught them to ride, I would get them going and I would push them. Started out with training wheels, right? Well, then we take those training wheels. No, no, no. No, Dad, leave the training wheels on. No, 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 son. What if I fall? I'll be here to help you back up. But you got to go. You got to start pedaling. And then I will help you. And I will teach you. I'm going to 
going to tell you, when you decide this is what God wants for me, this is why. When the Father's will aligns up with your, or your will aligns up with what Father wants from you, 2023 is where excuses go to die. And there are no more excuses. Stand with me across this room. God is telling some of you right now enough whining, enough excuses, enough telling me what you can or can't do. Get up off your tail and go. And when you get up and you go, you'll find me there helping you and teaching you along the way. Let me ask you guys as we close, what could be different in your life and in the lives of those in your life if you decided today, no more excuses? What could be different if you stop coming in with your good ideas and switch those out for God ideas and you decide you're going to begin to honor Him with your life. I'm telling you, church, you do what you can do and then you trust with what with trust God with what you cannot do. You'll see some things happen. How many would be honest and say, you know what? I know what God wants to be different in my life. I can sense it. It's time. Raise your hand. Right, put it down. Another one may be a little harder. Others, you, you be really honest. You know what God wants from you. It's full surrender. But in 2022, you didn't fully surrender to Christ. And to be honest, you're really not fooling anybody. life of half-hearted surrender to Christ last year. And you say, this is the year, Kelly, you know what? I don't want to look back on 2023 and think of what could have been if I'd chosen to fully surrender and obey Him. And if you said, today, January 1st, 2023, I'm ready to fully, all-out surrender my life to Christ. Come on, is that you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've seen Christian people. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I've got mine because there's times I don't fully surrender to God. Amen. You know, suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to draw us in and tells us this is what we want to be different and what God wants us to do. See, it's funny how the, the enemy will come and begin to whisper things like, you're not good enough. You can't talk right. You don't do this right. Or he'll, say, or he'll start putting, and you say, but what if I fall? Can I take some of the pressure off of you? It's not a matter of what if you fall. It's when you fall. You're going to fall. But the Father says, if you will go, I'm going to be there. And when you fall, all you got to do is, Daddy, and I'm going to help you up, put you back on the bike, and get you going again. You 
want 2023 to be the year that your excuses die. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that piece of paper. And I want you to write down, this is what I am leaving and giving to God and not carrying with me into Musicians, singers, I told everybody. Bring that trash can over here. I want you to write down this is what I'm leaving in 20. I'm not carrying this into 2023 with me. This is something God has told me to give up. It needs to be different about my life. And I'm not going into 2023 with this. I'm giving this to God today. When you get that, I want you to bring it up here and just throw it in the trash. We're not going to read it. In fact, we're going to burn it. Ain't nobody going to look at it. That's between you and God. Casey? Where's Pastor Casey at her bin? Sound booth, camera people, man. I I want everybody, everybody involved. Write it down. There's not a person in this room, on this stage, that does not need something to be different about their life as we go into 2023. Write it at home. Write it at home. And get ready. Burn it alongside with us if you're watching. Because we're about to burn it. I'm leaving it here. You say, well, Kelly, it's not with me. It's in the car. Go get it. I don't want you to leave here. And then the enemy say, oh, you still got it. It's right there with you. I will make room. I will make room.